0: G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we're talking about the big Fords, the premium Fords, and uh, well, most of them are value, so we're gonna talk about all the big dogs. Let's go! Day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Uh, my name is Mitch Casey and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Luke, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. It's a beautiful day here in sunny Queensland and uh, we get to talk some value forward, so Absolutely. can't complain. Where can, uh, where can everyone find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, Roger 17 uh, raised the bat last episode uh, and I'm pushing towards the 200. Right, so it's it's snowballing. It, yeah, when it rains, it pours.
0: Um, so, yeah, uh, continue to try and um put some stuff up there and um yeah yeah for sure fun. before I before we move on to talking forwards because obviously we're going to break down a lot of the forwards players today which of course most of them are value so a little bit different this week we won't be doing a a value premiums and an overvalued premiums because really most of these guys at the top here at least present some sort of value, so yeah. we're just going to go through all the major options there today. Yeah, but uh, that little uh, fraction at the at the front, there. Oh,
1: I almost forgot to talk. Oh, geez, I almost blown it off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I what, to talk what's about going that. on? Three out of three, mate. Right? It's, it's happened. All the so boys are on board. All the boys. Calvinator came across. Um, they they confirmed they were playing with us a little bit. I think <laughs> yep, yep. Um, you're now three or three as well. I am three or three as of this morning. As of this morning, yep. yeah. So some people might have seen out there on Twitter. Um, Roy was definitely playing with you. Put a little um Pikachu gif, I think, on one of your tweets, just suggesting uh, that uh, he didn't want to be caught.
0: This one goes out (laughs) to you, Roy. Oh! Whoa. <laughs> we've got to I, catch them all. I didn't know that was coming. That that shocked me as yeah. much. Well, indeed. there we go. We've got to catch them all. we caught them all. So uh, <laughs> Little audio sights, bite. Sights now set on you, uh, Selby, the, uh, the goat. the oh, okay. Uh, if we, we've knocked off the traders, Selby, we want you on board next uh, following <laughs> us on Twitter. So, uh, But no, I uh, appreciate to the, the boys over the traders. Mate. They do great stuff. That, so. that
1: audio bite has me shook, mate. Oh, you,
0: you just <laughs> had that little surprise waiting for me, didn't you? I did, I did. Well I done. To see how you react. But yeah, caught them all. And uh, yeah, shout out to you traders. Uh, make sure you guys check out all of their content. Uh, obviously very easy to find yeah. uh, once you're done listening here, of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we've said it before, um, but really appreciate the work they do, not only... Um- you know for for the people um, making the content but just also for fantasy in yeah. general so approachable so friendly um they've reached out to us and uh, yeah just really genuine guys so yeah, appreciate that
0: likes. yeah all right well let's uh, let's uh get stuck into the forward line now like we sort of said off the top a lot of value in this forward line and um you know compared to maybe our defenders in rucks which we're going to talk about next week but lots of lots of options here to choose Mate. from and uh it it's sort of, I guess, the the overall question I want to ask first off is how many uh, how many can you sneak into your team? I was I was What's thinking the, that uh... when I
1: was doing the research. I was going to kind of throw that question at you as well. There's if you wanted to be super super aggressive, you could almost start with a forward line that's you know got four or five. Um, genuine undervalued premiums there, yeah. there's a world where you can see that happening so um, this is a very very exciting list to talk about yeah. um, and I'm, I'm just so keen to get into it
0: so I think I think the question is not necessarily like who's got value but it's who has the most value yeah. and and who is maybe um, you know maybe the safest who has the highest upside um, so some of them may seem like obvious picks but again it's about how many can you choose from I think three to four is probably what most people will go. At the moment, I'm rocking with four in yep. my forward line that I would consider to be premiums. Yep. Uh, maybe one mid-price or a rookie in there. I think that's a pretty common structure. Yep. Um, just off the top here, we won't be covering a, a Darcy Cameron in today's show. Yep. We're going to leave him for the rucks. Um, just obviously, probably a bit more content to throw into the rucks. Is, <laughs> yes. There's a few things to talk about there, and uh, the forwards will just be sticking with those guys. But let's start at the top. Uh, the number one guy on a price, Josh Dunkley. Moving up to the Sunshine State over here uh, and yeah. uh, joining the Brisbane Lions, he averaged uh, 108.8 points last night. Price, uh, so last season, uh, priced at 963,000, and uh, we still have him. I mean, at least in my mind, I still think he's got a bit upside, a bit <laughs> yeah, of Yeah,
1: it's, it's hard to get your head around that that you've got a guy that's priced at um, almost 110, and you can still see, uh, you can still almost confidently see a scenario yep. where he goes significantly higher than that. So, in terms of um, the upside for Dunkley, a lot of people will know this already, but a lot of the upside comes from this trade to the Lions and and what we suspect his role to be mm-hmm. like at the Lions. So it's kind of common knowledge that while he was at the Doggies, there's obviously many talented midfielders there, and he was just one of them. So he spent a lot of time off half forward, yep. um, and playing in the midfield. But he's unique in the in the sense that even when he's playing at half forward, he just finds yeah, can the boys. He's, he's a fantasy freak, and um, so what a lot of people are thinking this year is, hey, if he's going to the Lions and he goes from sort of um, your forty to fifty percent. CBAs up to 70 80 percent CBAs um, if that correlates in an increase in scoring that is just like scary stuff hey Mitch? it's
0: yeah it's it's he's one of the highest upside players in fantasy full stop yeah no matter what the position yep. we have seen it in stretches with him in the past like if I go back to his breakout season in 2019 averaged 101.1 but even if you break that season down there was a season of two 110? halves. yeah so 111 111 but he was yeah. playing predominantly as a Forward for the first six rounds, and from round seven onwards, round to the to the to the last round. So big sample size. He actually went at an average of 121. So over a large portion of the series, he uh, season, he's got a 120 average ceiling, in my opinion. If he does play as a full time midfielder, yeah. Um, so different to maybe like a Doherty, a Rory Laird, which we've labelled as overpriced in the in the past. Yeah, he is the uh, the top dog in his line. That I still think that. of all of them is probably the most must-have, the must-have guy you've got to pay up for, because I think that he could easily separate himself from the next best guy and, on top of that, has a bit of upside that, you know, 10 points you you could even say that he can go higher than his average.
1: You know, in recent history, he's shown that as well. At the start of last year, first seven games of last year, he went at 121, so it's not like these stats that we're pulling are kind of isolated incidents. He's he's shown that he's got pedigree um, to go up into those 120s, and he's not the kind of player that when you watch him, you think, oh, he's, he's really had to have an amazing game to get to 120 he's really stretched to get to 120 he just does it in all facets yep. he's a tackler uh, he works hard he gets marks around the ground he'll get in and under um, uh, and he'll even get on the scoreboard when he goes forward he has a, a happy knack of, of bobbing up um, for some marks inside mark, 50 yep. doesn't he so yep. for his height um yeah, he he's a crazy, crazy, crazy good player, um, and I think even at nine hundred and sixty-three k, I think you can confidently justify picking him in your team.
0: Is if, he is he a must-have?
1: Not for me, not in my opinion. But I certainly wouldn't be turning my nose up at people who have picked him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you say must-have, you, you kind of it's in a bit my, of a loaded question, I think. Yeah, in, <laughs> in my that's right. In my head, I think you know must-have is like you you will not make top one hundred without. This player starting in your squad, and for yeah. me, that's that's a note. You can start without him in your squad, um, and you can make top one hundred. Do I think he's a must have at some point during the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's I that's. I believe of, so. That's but, obvious. But I'm sort of um,
0: saying that I. Well, I mean, I, again, a loaded question. I, I subscribe to the fact that I don't believe there is ever such thing as a must have in AFL fantasy. But uh, I mean, really, retrospectively, the must haves usually the rookies. Like if you didn't yeah, have yeah, if, you if, didn't if you didn't have, rookies, have Nick Dacos last year you were never going to get anywhere close yeah. to, to doing well in your season. So the must-haves in terms of premiums and things like that, I think gets thrown around a lot. Josh Dunkley, you know, again, sometimes we pay up for these guys and, and as good as we think that they are, they might start off slow or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, injuries might come around and and things like that. But in terms of consistency of ceiling. We've seen him do it in the past for for big stretches. Um, he is obviously a forward-eligible player. He's done 110s, 120s in the past with 50% CBAs. Yeah. Um, do, do we expect, at the Brisbane Lions, is he like... If we're predicting, is yeah. he 70-plus percent CBAs? Like, uh, I know that maybe that's the assumption, but you've still got Lockie Neal. Um, Jared Lyons talk about him returning back to the midfield. He was maybe carrying an injury last season. Yeah. I don't know how much I'm sort of reading into yeah. that. Humor cluggage, they like to get some of those other Rainers types and stuff in there. The um, Lyons
1: are an interesting one. I think in a way you can talk about them similar to how we spoke about Essendon on the previous podcast is you go through a lot of their midfielders and you don't think... Wow, that midfielder could be a great forward. With the exception of like someone like a Cam Rayner, he can, mm, you know Yes. Um and then obviously Zach Bailey sometimes spends time in the midfield and goes forward. But when you look at guys like um Lyons and um Neal, obviously yeah. you don't you don't say, Hey, that's that's gonna be a great forward. So yeah, I, I think he goes seventy percent CBAs. I'd be pretty shocked. I if he think I think he's 50. at least
0: fifty. Um, yeah, like which is I'd, what he went last. Which year. is what he went last year. So I think that there's no real risk of him burning you, um, yeah. it, uh, to put it that way. With the upside that he has, like ten points of ceiling on top of his head. Yeah. Um. It, so I think that I think it's probably likely that he goes to to seventy or sixty five percent. Yeah. Um. But maybe not a certainty. I yeah. think maybe a lot of people about, are just yeah. shoehorning him in there, but. I do pause a little bit because, like, you know, we saw Jared Berry go in there at the stretches last season, and that actually yep. works really well. I think he was playing well as a tagger in a couple yeah. of those games. Um, you know, uh, what's Zorko doing this season? Zach Bailey is a guy that sometimes they like to get in there. Yeah. Um, there's a few different things, but I think that he does provide something that the Lions don't have, which is that defensive mining, really great tackler, but can also spread. Um, whereas, you know, Neil, uh, maybe Lions are a bit more of yeah. those sort of accumulators. It's been pretty well
1: publicised as well that he's um, been talking about wanting to give the Lions a defensive-minded yeah. edge. Yeah. Um, You've probably read some of those articles as well. Um, and um, have you seen any photos of him? Have
0: yeah, he's looking a... good. He's my got, goodness. He's got I the felt... tan as well, yeah, which, um, which doing... my girlfriend seems to be very excited about. Uh,
1: <laughs> the sun's doing him wonders. I felt emasculated looking at some of the photos, <laughs> actually. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't. Um, we won't let Ellie or Brooke anywhere near Yeah, you. no, no, no. <laughs> okay,
0: let's, uh, let's move on. So, I think he he's a pretty good pick. I think, like I said... He, He's in my team right now. Um, I think he is going to be a very popular. I think he maybe might be the second most popular player in fantasy right now yep. at time of recording. But um, that's by no means to say he's a must roster guy or must have guy. But I think it's pretty darn close. It's it's a very safe pick, captain option in my opinion. I think you could easily whack a VC oh. or C on him, yep. especially maybe after that first game. We confirmed the fact that he's in there sixty seventy percent of the time. Yeah. Um. So I think that yeah, he's uh one of the few top line guys that I am uh, very happy to pay out for. Uh, what about next? What about our second feller on the list, Stephen Cornelio? Stephen Cornelio, the Giant. Um, he is
1: now. He had an interesting season last year, didn't he? Because he did there was a lot going on at g w s so we had you know some poor performance. We ended up with a coach being moved on um a caretaker coach coming in and and it was really. I guess a tale of two halves in a lot of ways for Stephen Cornelio, and anyone who's done any digging into him will see that his scoring is directly linked with CBAs. It is. He's yep. he's just one of your typical midfielders, so yep. he's not he, he's not like Dunkley in the fact that when he goes and plays half forward, he will still he score can't big save for you. His scores really exactly. Yep. So any uh, time you're looking to to have Stephen Cornelio in your team, you're anticipating that he's going to be getting CBAs. Yeah. So uh, at the uh, end of uh, last season, there was a seven-game stretch. This was not quite to finish the year, but at the end of the season, seven-game stretch where he averaged one eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, at in that time, seventy percent CBAs. Yeah. Um, prior to that, not even close to seventy percent CBAs, and the scoring showed it as well. Yes. But a guy who can average one eighteen, that always just pricks your
0: his up. It does. Doesn't it? it does. It does sort of get you listening a little bit. I think sometimes so. Stephen I don't know what it is about him but there's there's a part of me that hesitates with Canelio. I think I think he's Let going to Let me check how old he is. Uh, no, he's <laughs> 29. Okay. So he's he's he still makes the rule just but I think I don't know. I've seen there's been a couple of seasons in the past where he um sort of Hasn't sort of lived up to our expectation. He's done one eleven, I think, back in. If I just pull it up, uh, one ten back in twenty eighteen. Again, a little while ago now.
1: To be fair, in those seasons, it, it almost appeared as though his coach was bullying him. If yeah. You, if you watch the um, what oh, was the documentary? I can't was, recall. Was it the making name. your mark? Is yes. that the one. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was a bit. So of maybe an interesting... maybe
0: now that the coach is gone, uh, he he might have a new lease on life. Enjoy playing his footy a bit more. Yeah, Who potentially. Knows? But um, yeah. but I just there's there's something that that makes me hesitate, and I think that sometimes we sort of we see the parallels between him scoring well in the midfield and not scoring well as a forward. And we sort of, um, you know, you threw out that stat, what was it, 118 in the last?
1: 118, in, not in the last seven games, but in a seven-game right. span towards the end of the year. So there were, there were, yeah.
0: So I think that that's sometimes maybe a trap that a lot of people fall into is they, they like to pick and choose their data sample. If yes. that makes sense, yeah. so so you you've referenced a very specific kind of seven game stretch. So yes, he can go big for for a decent stretch of time. But um, the stat that I want to throw out there is is when he averaged more than fifty percent CBA. So I'm yep. only taking the, the the games where he averaged more than fifty percent, which in total averages out to be sixty six percent CBA's. He averaged one hundred and seven. So yep. still, obviously, lots of value. He's priced mm. at ninety eight. Um, so, 107, a little bit less exciting than that 118. And then, of course, the other thing that has me a little bit concerned, like we've talked about with a few of the Giants before, new coach, new game style. The Richmond does that? Does that maybe drop those scores at 29? Obviously, he's not the youngest guy that we're talking about today. I sort of have him going under that 107 mark, maybe closer to sort of between 100 and 105. Yeah. Um, now, again, when we talked about all these guys being value, my next question is Stephen Cornelio- the best value out of all these guys. So he's priced and at And right now I think that maybe there might be some better options. Yeah, I would agree with that, Mitch. So he's
1: priced at 98, and and like Mitch just said, he's kind of anticipating him to maybe go somewhere in that 105 to 107 range. Um,
0: 100 to 105. I've okay, sort of sorry, in that range. Yeah. yeah,
1: so yeah, there is there is data, like we said, to suggest that when the CBAs go up, the scoring also goes up. But that remember, that's playing in GWS's old system as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So... Is playing in Adam Kingsley's new system with potentially... I think everyone's kind of acknowledging there might be a bit of a Richmond style to it. Um, does that hurt his scoring? Now, he, he's never been... A, a huge marks guy. I mean, he kind of averages sort of around his three to four marks a game. Yeah, um, which yep. is which is not high in terms of what some players do. Some
0: can get double digits so, regularly. So
1: I think there is still you know a good scenario where he's playing high CBAs. He's getting his tackles. He's getting his touches. Mm-hmm. He's um, he likes to kick the footy rather than handball as well. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with Mitch on this one. I don't see him going under 98, but when we continue down this list, I think there's guys with bigger upside. Yeah, for greater context as well, I picked that seven game span out. But if you, I just quickly went through. If you look at his last 12 games of the season, okay, there's only three games where he went under 100, and those scores were 92, 88, and 80. Yeah. So I think if you kind of took Pretty that consistent. last 12 games, yeah, you'd yeah. be somewhere around that, like one. 10 average, uh, without me doing the math real quick here. Yeah, so
0: I think, I think I also included at the start of the season, there was a few games obviously start of the year as a midfielder, yes. um, 87 and 98, yep. um, but then, yes, like you said, so of the games that I sort of sampled, there were five games under 100, but again, nothing lower than uh, an 80, so yep. uh, he's, he's obviously going to be right up there into the yeah. top six, um, but it's like, it's splitting hairs when you're trying to bet- pick three or four of these guys, and there's, there's six really good options. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just maybe one that I'm maybe willing to take on a little bit because I think right now, if I uh, look at the ownership percentages, if I pull that up real quick, he's 37% rostered. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty high. Mm. And I think that, you know, with a few unknowns, a few uncertainties, it's, it's kind of that risk that I'm willing to take with other options to back it up. Yeah,
1: he could be your kind of point of difference in a reverse way, yeah, if you know what I mean. point of difference like not by having, not having him. Yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. So um, that's sort of my flag on, on Stephen Keneally. I'm very much watching him very closely in the preseason. Yeah. And again, those stats I referenced was a 66% uh, CBA role. So he could easily be 76 80% CBAs. It's hard to know with what direction the uh, the Giants are going. So um, still one to watch, definitely. I'm not ruling him out of my team, but I am tempted by the fact that I could take him on in my side. Yeah. Um, Who's the next guy? What do we got? Can I tempt you
1: with his former teammate, yes. Mr. T, Timmy T, Tim Taranto,
0: Tim Taranto, the Tig?
1: I'm, I'm probably of all the people we're going to talk about today, I'm, I'm most excited to talk about him. Not necessarily because he's the one I'd pick first, but just because Is because he, he plays for Richmond. I've, well, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But I, I've done a bit of a deep dive on some stats, so I'm excited to share some of those with yeah, guys with you. But um, you you give us a little bit of intel first. And well,
0: well, obviously, sort of if around. we we just talked about um. Obviously the, the role and the and the um the the game style of, yep. of the potential change at GWS. Well well Tim Tarant has obviously going to the team that the role the, the, so the game style is, that. is absolutely there. So yeah. um, a lot of people are maybe worried about this, concerned about this. The stat is out there that no midfielder has averaged over a hundred since twenty seventeen when Dusty yeah. had a Brownlow season. Yeah. Um now again, I think we've spoken a little bit about this in the past. The Richmond's Midfielders, um, maybe outside of Dion Prestia, are probably not renowned for being the highest pedigree in terms of fantasy yeah. scoring. Um, you know, Dusty, ever since that season, has just, you know, doesn't care about tackling anymore. <laughs> Uh, Dion Prestia, I reckon, would have averaged 100 if he didn't keep getting bloody injured. Yep. Um, so I think that there is absolutely room for a player to go over 100, and I think uh, Tim Torrento is the pedigree of player that could do that. Yeah, so, if there's
1: a player who's going to come in and do it. He's he's kind of the guy. Yeah. Um, now I did I did a deep dive. So hit me, I'm going to me with your dive. Yeah, I'm going to try not to butcher this, and you might have to um, try and keep up with me. But okay, so in 2022, yep. so let's just look at 2022. The Richmond midfielders, collectively, how many times do you think a Richmond midfielder scored over 120 in a game?
0: out of 22 games or all, all the
1: games all the midfielders how many times do you think of Richmond and I'm talking about midfielder so midfielder. so I took out Jaden Short as Short. a backman okay Yep. Uh, so just tell me midfielder playing midfield how many times what? maybe
0: 11 like 50% three
1: three oh, So three okay. times so when you take out Tom Lynch had a couple of big scores over 120 Jaden yep. Short as a defender had so three times a genuine Richmond mid scored over 120 who, who were they um Short might have had one in there. Uh, one as a midfielder, maybe. I yep. think there was one where surely Dion Prestia a... might have had one, yep. and then you stretching me. But yeah, there three. You go. Okay. Now, just to give it comparison, because you know we like to compare. Yes. The Bulldogs. How many times do you think they had a midfielder go over 120? Oh well, they
0: had five guys that averaged over a hundred. So I'd say one
1: twenty. Remember, one twenty. I'm talking Oh, so over one twenty. Sorry. 120. Okay. Um, go
0: going big. Oh, if they had, had three, three. Uh, times by five, 15. fifteen.
1: You're not not far off. So nineteen. Okay. So this we're yep. talking about big, big scoring. And the reason I'm talking about big scoring is because Tim Taranto historically is a guy who's shown he can go big. So He's in got 20, yep. yeah, in 2020, um, two a couple of times big. 2021 and even in 2019, he had huge, huge scores above 120. So to go even further into that stat, so stick with me here. Yeah. Between since 2017 to current. Okay, Richmond Mids had 37 scores over 120 Mm -hmm. in that, what's it, a six-year span? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then almost half of those 37 scores were dusty, and more than half of those scores were in 2017. Yes, right. So, if you go from 2018 onwards, Richmond Mids have really only scored above 120, 15 to 20 times. Right, geez, okay. Again, in comparison, the dogs in that same span 96
0: times. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. So it's a big difference. It's obviously.
1: So it, what so this is the question because pe- people will be asking this question all preseason. Is that system or is it cattle?
0: Yeah. Is it the players that like obviously if you didn't have the players, you've got to adopt a certain system whether or yeah. not if if Richmond had a Bontempelli. if Richmond had a Jack McRae in their team, would they still be able to do something like that? Yeah, um, so,
1: that's the question I'm asking. I don't have an answer to it. Don't hold me exactly to those numbers because I was kind of scouring through all the stats. No, no, it's good stats. Good ca- stats. Counting obviously, on my fingers, <laughs> obviously, we, and
0: we've got a large sample to to use that data from. It's not just obviously the last season or two. There's a yeah. big stretch of games that we can we can go from there. I still think now, now again, if we talk about role, so obviously we talked about system. If we talk about role. Um, Tim Taranto averaged. If I look at last season in terms of his CBAs, he was down a little bit. He averaged forty four percent CBAs. Yeah, he's so going to be higher than that. He, he will be higher than that. And on those forty four percent CBAs, he obviously averaged the was it ninety five? Yeah, ninety five point five. Yeah. Um, so my question then is: Does the 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 game style? like offset the increase in CBAs or is the CBAs enough, like increase in CBAs enough to to overcome that? Um, What are your your thoughts?
1: At this stage, I I see him averaging between 105 and 110. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where my head is. Do I think he's going to be coming out and just putting out 130s, 140s for fun? I don't think so. I think I think the system is enough to kind of negate that, even with a potential increase in CBAs. Yep. yep. Um. But what's he valued at at the minute, Mitch? So
0: he's, he's, he's priced at ninety five point six. So if he goes one hundred five, that's ten points of upside. That's a good pick, I
1: and, think. And would you are you do you agree? Like one hundred five is safe for him. Like. I-
0: I think Do that think that feels he's... about where I've got. I've got him pegged at 104. I've just okay. sort of taken a haircut off that just in case, obviously, the system, that sort of stuff, but I still see him going over 100. Yeah. Um, I've got him slightly above a Stephen Canelio at a cheaper price. So yes. for me, a Tim Taranto is probably more of a lock than, than a Cogs. Yeah. Um, just because I think that, uh, I think, I think he's just a better player. He's younger. Um, I think that he's probably going to, like his role feels really secure in the Richmond team. Yeah. Um, and I just think that the the pedigree of, of a Tim Taranto is just good enough to overcome sort of the history that you've laid out yeah. um, that we've seen so far.
1: He feels to me that he perfectly fits the mold of player coming to a new club and just wanting to just set the world on fire. Like he's he won our time trial, which yep. is um yeah. no mean feat. I know Camden McIntosh is an elite runner out yeah. on the wing. So um,
0: Hugo Ralph Smith was up there as well. Yeah, so the there's a few, good,
1: few good runners. So for me that's I mean, read into it what you will, but those are positive signs as well. He's coming to make a statement.
0: And and I, I often a lot of people might be saying, oh, you guys are Richmond fans. Like, you know, we you pump, pumping up the, the boys. But I actually find that I go the complete opposite way. When I, when I pick a Richmond player, I, am, I need to be 100% sure because I don't want to be... The coaster. I, I don't want to be watching a Richmond game and, and cussing out this guy because of my fantasy team. <laughs> um, so last year, for example, I didn't, I didn't start with Jaden Short. Um, yeah. I haven't started with Dusty any of the seasons that I've played. Yeah. I, it's just... <laughs> like so, for me to say that I think Tim Taranto is a great starting pick and he's a Richmond player, I actually think that that's, that means more because I'm more critical, I think, of the Richmond players yeah. from a fantasy point of view than, than maybe the opposite and pumping those boys up like a like a Roy with his blues. So I think uh, <laughs> well,
1: watching Richmond for us is enough of a roller coaster without adding fantasy. Oh, in. Yeah. I think <laughs> watching us watch Richmond would be entertainment oh, enough. Oh no, yeah, there's a there's yeah. a few
0: few choice words that get thrown <laughs> yeah. around when when people are, do do different things. So yeah, no, I think I think he's a good pick. So, Currently um, in your team, he is currently in my yeah, team at the moment. Team. Yeah, so uh, team. Tim Taranto and Dunkley sit there at F1 and F2. Do you want to introduce your love child? This is uh, this guy's also in my he, team right now. Is he right hiding
1: now. in your closet? Mate? You abducted
0: <laughs> him, yeah, no, not yet. Uh, he's small enough for me to abduct oh. him. Mate. But <laughs> <Fair> Dylan Moore <laughs> is the guy that we're talking about here from the Hawthorne right, footy club Tell now. Us all about him. Dylan Moore um, was a guy that I traded into my team uh, last year. You he did. obviously um, had a great season, even before. Now, and this is the big thing for Dylan Moore, even before he started getting into the. Um, into the center bounces and yeah. playing more of that midfield role. As a forward, I think he was averaging something like 83 or 80 points or something Which like that as a pure said,
1: forward player. And that's why you said in the past that he kind of reminds you of Dunks a little he bit. He reminds hey. me of like
0: a little mini Dunkley. Like yeah. he's obviously lacking a bit of height. Some people have compared him to like a Dane Zorko uh, sort of type. And I, I, I hope I, he's I, a bit. <laughs> well, I think he's a little younger than Zorko. So, <laughs> um, you know, and Zorko's had really good seasons in the past from a fantasy yeah. point of view. Yeah. Um, He's 23 yeah, like he wow. is he is ready to take that step um, yeah. and all, by all metrics last season when he got moved into the midfield statistically some of the advanced statistics i think um you know that ratings that they give players yeah. i don't really know where that comes from but they had That's him champion data thing i they, think they had him as that elite category i don't know if there was like that that Image that came out last and people year, scoffed at it a and little every bit, every team had a few players, and Dylan Moore was one of I think two Hawks. It was him, and it was um, Sicily, Sicily yeah. in the Hawks as the elite players on their team. And, and from, watching, at the year, hey? from watching that earlier, yeah. from watching him very closely because I traded him into my team after I saw him um, yeah. average and go into the midfield, and he is I think he's a really really good player. He's he's a dead set yeah. gun. He's that guy that like we said we want to have in our sides. They get a lot of stats across the board. I think he averaged six marks and four tackles last year. Um, he put up an average of 93, averaging just 20 disposals. Um, yeah. And that, again, with with most of the season playing as a forward. So in the last several games, round 17, he started going to the midfield. And from that point on, he averaged 108.8. Yeah. So round up to 109. Yeah. Um, if you uh, wanted to include the games before that, after the bye, I averaged 103. Yeah, but so, there were a
1: couple, just to, to build on your stat yeah. there, if you do include some of those games after the bye, my understanding is that there's a couple of low scores and there are 60 and a 56, and one of those was with 70% time on ground. So I don't know what happened in that game, but it's not... Um Indicative of his usual kind of scoring output. Which one so, are you looking at there? I
0: think you might be, you might yeah, be am somewhere I off else. The mark there? Yeah, oh, I think so. Sixty and fifty-six. No, uh, no. Were, no. They,
1: were they pre-buy? Were they?
0: They were pre-buy. So after the buy, his his lowest score was an eighty-three. <laughs> yep, gotcha. Um, so that was in round sixteen, and yeah. obviously, yeah, you, you're right in assuming. So that was a lower CBA game. So round yeah. that was fourteen percent. Yeah, um, and but, it was
1: almost at that point where they decided, let's get this guy in the let's middle. Let's get him in, and there. There. like you said. It, it went, and from from the reading I've been doing on this fella as well, which. It maybe it doesn't Maybe people think, oh, this doesn't correlate with fantasy scoring, but I actually think it does. He, he's the consummate professional. His leadership's now being acknowledged at the Hawks, and while people go, "Well, that's got nothing to do with fantasy," I think it actually does because when when you're touted as that kind of person who's a leader at your football club and who who's a consummate professional, you're never going to go through a patch in the game where he starts sulking or he drops yeah. his head or he. And that's moves what I look away for, from... like, and, and yeah. that's
0: the sort of like you know we talk about. I think I've spoken about that in the past. Like those are the players that I love to have in my side. Those are the Andrew Brayshaws. Those are yeah, the Sam Walshers, Walsh, Those yeah. are the guys that yeah. fight through everything no matter the score and you're going to need that when you're playing for the Hawks because I don't think they're going to be you know um, you know, they're not going to be the Melbourne Demons to start the season and go unbeaten for, for 15 rounds so I yeah. think it, and again we we touched on this one as well on previous podcasts but Tom Mitchell's out yes. Diego O'Meara is yeah, out yeah. so there's lots of midfield usage up in the air. yeah some people are a bit scared off by maybe the, you know, because he is such a good forward, maybe he is a bit of a fix-it type that, you know, may not have that consistent and steady role. But I would argue that being 23, he's young enough that he is the future of their midfield. Yeah. He But he's also old enough that he's got the body to go in there and sort of, um, I don't think, the whilst the Hawthorne team is, is okay blooding a lot of their youth and setting them straight in there, we saw that with Josh Ward, they're not going to have all first and second year players in there. you know they, They're going to have at least some mature bodies and, and Dylan Moore, I think, is going to be that sort of type. And if we look at the last season, I want to get your take on this as well. So yeah. at round 17, he goes 60%. 18, 61, 56, 45, 73% CBAs. Yep. And then the last two rounds of the season, yeah, he went 31 around. and 29%. What were Josh Ward's... Uh, let me just go back. I can find this. I'm going to see what Josh Ward's were in those last two games. But my thoughts are there is that the team is obviously... They're going nowhere. Um, they're experimenting a lot. There was a game where Sicily found himself in the midfield. Yeah, and, and so um, context
1: there as well. Ward went at 50% CBAs in the last game. So yeah. there's potentially a, yeah a thing where Sam Mitchell's flicking the magnets around. He says, hey... Um, you know, Dylan, we've we've seen you play in the midfield. We like what we see, but we're just going to give.
0: Josh we just want to have a look at these other guys. Yeah, you a know, of sort prat. of. And, 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 I would So, so for me, that's I expect him to be sort of that. At least fifty to sixty percent uh, CBA sort of a guy, and to me, yeah. that's that's a minimum of one hundred and three, in my opinion. I yeah. think that that's sort of um, his flaw in that role. And price at one hundred and three, is that? An, well, I know oh, you love it. I think him. it is. Yeah. I, I, think a team, I think there's huge ceiling. I think there's honestly huge ceiling. We saw. So you think it's
1: a safe one hundred and three, which would be ten points of upside, and you think there's the potential. I think there's potential for more, for more because just the way more. his, his, his
0: yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way that his stat set sort of is, and and sort of we love those guys that tackle, we love those guys that mark. Yeah. You know, he only. Have that, he had that 129, but that wasn't even his biggest score of the ceiling. He got 138, like we said, playing as a forward yeah. with 11 marks and three tackles. Um, he can still go forward and kick goals when he is playing that forward, yeah. a la Josh Dunkley. So I think that. Yeah. Well, it's a risky pick by the fact that he is actually only rostered or owned in seven percent of AFL fantasy teams. It's a point of difference, I think that he could be a genuine um, a pod and a, a and one that player. I think that I'm not choosing because of the fact that he is a pod. Yeah. But watching yeah. his role obviously in preseason, um, I think that there is uh, a lot of upside in yeah. uh, Dylan Moore,
1: mate. You've convinced me. Um, Dylan Moore might need a restraining order against you, but
0: uh, you've convinced me he's, <laughs> in, my, he's yeah. in my team. I, I like him. I like him. But uh, <laughs> let's let's move on let's to a it. couple of uh, Port Adelaide boys. Uh, who are we gonna Who are we gonna start off first with? I got
1: Connor. You want to talk about Connor? Let's talk Connor Rosie. Let's do it. So Connor Rosie, I think you have more experience with Connor Rosie because you brought him in at a kind of a, a prime time. frame. I did, and I was nervous
0: year. doing it. I think I brought him in. I think I was deciding between him and, and uh, Mitch Duncan at the time. Well, there's I a think... reason.
1: Yeah, there's a reason you're nervous doing those kind of yeah. things because those, those Port Adelaide boys have a tendency to. Uh, on occasion, drop off the face of the earth. So, I actually... I don't know if you remember this, but I actually started with him in my team last That's year. That's right, yes. And immediately traded him out after 21 in the first round, which I think is deserved. Well, like absolutely. It was probably you, the right call at the if time. If you put out 21. Well, it was, because he went on to go then 48, 54, 55. Yeah. So, he, for me, is in a little bit of the same vein as Cornelio. They're very different players, but in the same vein that if he's not getting CBAs, not he ain't scoring anything. So, yeah, so... He, in those early season games, um, 17%, 10%, 0%, 0% for CBAs, and the scores reflected that. Then from that point on, Kenny Hinckley said, let's get this guy in the guts. And uh, from that point in time, he went on to... Probably go at around 60% CBAs for the rest of the season. And his scoring kind of reflected that, didn't it, Mitch?
0: Yeah, so he moved into the midfield in round five. Now, that game was sort of... It was like a halftime kind of adjustment. And he had a big game that game. Um, So that was round five. Only had 33%. But then on after that, uh, went on to average over 60% CBAs. And so from that round five onwards, averaged 97.78 points. So round that up to 98 points. Priced at 88 Again, I think that you've got a minimum of 10 points of upside. Yeah. He did finish the season really strong as well. So yeah, towards the back half of the season, if I uh, have this stats here in Huge. front of me, yeah. he uh, yeah, had some big ceiling scores uh, highlighted by that uh, last game of the season where he, have, he put up 144, yeah. um, kicked a goal, eight tackles, four marks, 34 disposals. So... He has shown at least a little bit of ceiling, but he also still has a little bit of those yo-yo scores. So, round 21, put up a 64. That was still in a uh, a high midfield uh, usage role. So, it's a tough one because there was also a lot of um, people like applauding how good he was from a a footy sense, um, in the words. So, does that attract... Tags. Um is is he is he the kind of type I don't know if I ever see him going that seventy to eighty percent CBAs because he is also damaging as a forward. Um, you know, he's probably maybe that fifty to sixty percent sort of a guy. Um yeah, I don't know if we're
1: we're talking tags. I know he's coming off a best and fairest, is my understanding of Port Adelaide. So there's
0: a few guys in there as well. So you know, you've, yeah. you've still got you've still got your Ollie Wines. Um, you've still got you know uh, Travis Boke in there. Who's obviously I'd have a- to
1: see what yeah what Port Adelaide are doing this year and and how much he is um, killing it to see whether maybe the tag would come. Um, I'm interested, to, and we can kind of talk about these two fellas in conjunction. Yep. Zach Butters is our next fella, and we'll kind of talk about him a little bit here as well, but. He went at 38% CBAs. Do you see him spending more midfield, midfield time? Does that drop Rosie's? Does it drop someone else's butters? can score in other roles he's shown sometimes but this is hard
0: for me to get a grip on I I, yeah look I started with him last year as did a lot of other coaches and um you know to start the season it went off really well 96 and then 137 which was his highest score for the season yeah Mm thought we're on to a massive winner here and then just kind of fizzled out a little bit um he's kind of that type a lot of commentary on the way he plays and in the fact that he plays so aggressive that it leads to injuries and um, little nicks that he picks up throughout the season and um, perhaps that led to his scoring kind of fizzling out in that middle part of the season but again his last sort of four games all tons 103, 116, 114, 121 and, and a lot of those games weren't high CBAs either. They were sort of 30s. 44, 37, 31, 48. So I don't think he relies on the CBAs quite as much as a, as a Rosie. And I think he might have maybe a higher ceiling, um, but yeah. it's, it's, really no it's nerve-wracking.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned this on an a episode earlier on, um, was that they, you can't really find a rhyme or reason, mm-hmm. and that for me is nervy. Like it's bit yeah. like Dan Houston, he, he can have... You know, Butters could have a 44 with 80% CBAs, and then he could go 130 with 10% CBAs, and you're like, yep. well, hang on, how do I pick role? How do I work out what's the go? So, um, the- of the two of them, Rosie?
0: Yeah, I think Rosie's probably the guy that has proved it over a longer stretch of time, so yeah. you maybe have a little bit more confidence. Zach Butters still has that, like, allure of... You know, he's been talked about as, like, a future uh, club captain. You know, uh, some people are touting him as, like, a future Brownlow medalist winner. You know, they're, they're both 22 and 23 years old, so perhaps some of that inconsistency maybe a bit different to a Dan Houston is just putting it down to the fact that he's a little bit younger still, obviously. Uh, how, many, how many games has he play? So it's his, it'll be his fifth season this year, so uh, relatively new uh, to, to, the, to the AFL um, compared to some other guys like that. But... yeah. There's something that intrigues me about uh, a Zach Butters, but again, it's not someone who I, if I have in my side right now, I'm not sort of locking him in there. I might be shifting and moving around that spot to sort of see what else I can fit. And we talked about this before, but sometimes if, you know... If that little bit of extra money going from a Connor Rosie down to a Butters, like just is that just a little bit enough to get me up to something that I want in another line, then I'm, yeah. I'm okay with doing that. Um, but again, big preseason watch. I wonder what they're going to do with the Travis Boak. Is he maybe playing a bit more forward? Uh, where does a Willem Drew fit in this team? Mm-hmm. Like he, he soaked up a lot of CBAs there. And, um, you know, some people have sort of said that he might even be outside looking in on the team, maybe use a bit more as a sub. I'm yeah, not too sure. Unknowns. Obviously, Carl Amon is out of the side now. So a few more wing minutes available as well. So there's a few things to watch here with this Port Adelaide team. So yeah, I can't confidently kind of say yes or no with both of these guys one way or another at the yeah.
1: moment. Of the two, I'm probably more rosy, but there are some things to watch. I read an article too. Connor Rosie apparently went to the US of A to see a human movement expert and um, movement's pretty important in AFL, so I'm glad (laughs) he saw an expert. Could have just come and seen me. Come on. Come on, Connor. (laughs) Um, I'll sort you out. But Swanee went to the US a few times, didn't he? And we know how how Swanee racked it up. So it's a, you know... To stretch, but I think Rosie <laughs> yeah. is the new Swan.
0: Yeah. Oh, what do well, you think? Okay. Yeah. There you go. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, big call of Podcast. podcast. Uh, <laughs> they both went to the uh, to USA. Average one hundred and twenty-five. Yeah.
1: Human movement expert. He's got to be. So. Yeah.
0: So I think I think for both of them, they're big watches for me yeah, right definitely. now. Um, I think obviously again both upside. I I sort of have like a Rosie, a Butters, a Cogs, all kind of. Fighting for that fourth spot in my side, um, I, I sort of feel the the most comfortable about uh, a Taranto and a Dunkley, I think are pretty pretty safe. Moore is maybe my bigger call, my better sort of risk. But uh, in terms of how I feel about him right now, if he has the role that I expect him to have, I feel good about him. Yeah. And then those other three are kind of in and out, depending on what they sort of look like for the preseason. Um, but again... Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Obviously, a lot of guys uh, we're talking about here all have good upside. And obviously, a lot of people have different preferences in terms of what they're looking for. Um, we've got one more guy nice that we're going to talk about here, which is maybe maybe a bit of an outside pick. Uh, I think the guys we've spoken about are probably the most considered. Yeah, but just want to wanna highlight Errol Goulden of the Sydney Swans, um, 20 years old, averaged 83 last year. And yep. he did that on very minimal CBAs on a really good Sydney team. Yeah, only his uh, second year in the AFL, I, I want to say, and um, he just has. The, again, we talk about Dylan Moore yeah. that that spread out kind of stats that tackles, marks, disposals. Um, he looks really good as a football player. Yeah, and potentially, you know, ten percent CBAs last year could that rise to thirty, forty percent? That's it. It's hard to find in this kind of a stacked Sydney team, but. Mm when you're already averaging 83 on 10% CBAs and you're 20 years old, um, I think it is definitely something we have to have a look at in case that does change.
1: Yeah, the more I did some digging into Errol Gilden, the more... Positive signs have found. So he was second in the Swans time trial um, the other day, and we know that kind of elite running typically correlates with being able to find the footy yeah. over the stretch of a game. Yep. Like Mitch just mentioned, ten percent CBAs, and for someone to average eighty two on ten percent CBAs is it's pretty impressive. In you maybe, second
0: year in the in the AFL, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very impressive. He
1: he kicks it more than twice as much as he handles it. We like that. Which we like. Yeah. Um, he played all the games last year, and it, just in my mind, if he if he gets more CBAs, that could potentially Means some proper upside yeah. um there was one enormous score in there he had a 155, 155 but if you go back and actually yep. have a look at that game they um dismantled gws and it was just a mark it, fest. it was so absolutely a destruct- a destruction so yeah, i don't know it's an outlier
0: it's, it is an outlier but it is good to see at least that he has that ceiling he, he t- kicked two goals had yeah. 12 marks in that yeah. game um which is obviously a huge source of his points but yeah. it, it is nice to see and well there's that's not to say that Sydney might not destroy a few more teams this season. Mm. They obviously made the grand final last year, and that, fantasy. Um, but um, just a name to watch. I think I think Definitely. I wouldn't. It'd be a bold person to go out and pick him for your classic side. Yeah, uh, if he does show that he's going into the midfield, uh, maybe you could have a go there. But again, Sydney tricked us last year with Isaac Heaney and uh, his promise of more midfield time last year. So yeah. it does always fill me with a bit of risk. And when we've got those sort of safe options up top. I probably don't think that the risk is worth it enough. But again, it wouldn't shock me if he comes out and he is the guy that sort of really pops this year in his third year. And if you've got
1: Um, any intel on on Sydney or you're a Swans fan and you can see that there's a a real shift to increase Errol's CBAs, we'd love to hear about it. Um, And while Mitch mentioned uh, Isaac Heaney just before as well, we probably won't do an overpriced Fords podcast. There's just not enough guys to talk about. A lot of the top... Top premium forwards yeah, value. are um, good value, but I don't
0: think anyone's picking Isaac Smith. Uh, yeah. and, <laughs> I don't think anyone's picking. And you Heaney mentioned again.
1: Isaac Heaney. I think he, we've been fooled too many times. If Heaney was yeah. a midfielder, then he'd be a great fantasy player. But he, he's shown he's a damaging forward. So yeah. Um, yeah, don't don't be holding your breath for an overpriced premium uh, forwards. Yeah. I think like I coming. think a
0: lot of those guys are the the, the popular picks, and a lot of them yeah. are respectable picks. And I don't think that yeah. um, at this stage on January twenty second, I can confidently say that you know uh, you know any of them are bad picks. Yep. It's about sifting through the preseason and who are going to be the best picks. How many can you have? I say that you can have as many as four. Maybe you can even hide one in your midfield if you really like all of them. I've um, seen a few
1: people hide it. Well, not hiding, but Dunkley in the midfield, I've seen. Yeah. Uh,
0: what, are, what are your thoughts on that, just real briefly? I, I'm personally not a big fan, but I can't really articulate why. I just Maybe there's just a lot of midfielders that I also really like. So Yeah, when um, you can...
1: When you can pick him as a fort, it kind of feels dirty to pick him as it a It does, but, yeah. But I, if it... If you're looking at your team balance, and and for whatever reason you find that having Dunkley in your midfield helps with your team, maybe, maybe people are saying there's so many good Ford options to pick from. Hey, I you know I need to pick Dunkley in the midfield, that, and that's your justification. That's, that is the, the justification I hear Because I a think lot you can most, pick. Yeah. So your mid your forwards could fill up pretty quick. So if you pick like we'll talk about these guys in the next pod, but if you pick like McLean, Cunnington, um, and then you start going to Rosie, butters, these kind of guys in your forward line, the space starts to run out pretty quick. Especially does, when you want yeah. to pick maybe Ford rookies as
0: well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, the rookies will dictate our structure for a lot, so yeah. I'm not uh, completely dismissing it. I personally, if I can, I would like to fill my midfielders with midfielders, but... Um this year might be maybe a little bit of an exception to the rules. We'll see.
1: It's going to be dictated by rookies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, That'll do it for us today, guys. Make sure, again, if you are listening over on YouTube, make sure you hit that big old subscribe button. Uh, Hit the notification bell so that as soon as our uh, videos go up, you can get notified. Uh, If you're following along on podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, we'd love it if you guys go over there and drop us a five-star rating and review. Uh, We would love to hear what you guys are thinking of the uh, podcast so far. If you are enjoying it, we'd love to hear that. It goes a long way to helping Spread the love so that we can get our boy Selby on board, uh, the goats and uh, and everyone else, obviously the, the general public, uh, listening along. But uh, like we said, next time we're going to be talking about the mid-priced forwards, yeah, and uh, and then into the uh, and then into the rucks. So again, make sure you guys like the video, uh, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.